Hello, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and Schools, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you here with us for the Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Wednesday, December 27th, 2023. We come to you each morning live on the streaming platforms at about 9 a.m. Central. Uh, Otherwise, you can watch or listen throughout the day on your platforms of choice um, or in audio as a podcast, which probably would be my preferred method uh, to just pray along um, as I go about my work. But uh, your choice as to how you want to uh, receive this. And of course, you can always just take the half sheet that's distributed each Sunday in your service folder and uh, do the same uh, with your spouse or with your children or with friends even. All right. Uh, Feel free to share this too with anybody you think uh, might be or might find it helpful. Um, Somebody interested um, in the Christian faith, somebody who's homebound, um, or otherwise incapacitated, hospitalized, etc. If you think that would be beneficial to them, feel free to share it with them. All right. So uh, today is St. John Day. And again, as we talked about yesterday, the, the season of Christmas is a little peculiar in the sorts of things that we observe, and uh, even into Epiphany. Of course, it's the early life of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Um, but yesterday we had the martyrdom of St. Stephen. We got to hear his a wonderfully catechetical sermon that he preached, um, actually in response to uh, the threat of death, and uh, resulted then in his death too. Again, for the sake of confessing Christ, he died. Uh, today, St. John, mm, exiled on to Patmos, not, um, and did not die, probably the only one who uh, was, did not die a martyr's death, at least that's tradition. And uh, so what can we learn from him today? That's what we'll pay attention to. So let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Okay. Our psalm this week is Psalm 96. Uh, Let's pray the psalm, and then let's talk about um, perhaps why it was appointed for uh, Christmas midnight and uh, how it connects to the Christmas theme. All right. Psalm 96. O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then all the trees of the forest shall sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. 
Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. So, um, maybe to better help us understand why this would be a great psalm for the week, maybe you can uh, hear some of the themes there, and uh, also a great psalm for for Holy Week, perhaps, or Easter. Uh, You tend to find some commonality between uh, Christmas and Easter, don't you? Psalm 96. This is a meditation from an excellent book by Patrick Henry Reardon, called Christ in the Psalms. We know that Psalm 95, Hebrew 96, was among the psalms chosen to be sung when the Ark of the Covenant was placed in the new tabernacle that David had constructed for it in Jerusalem, 1 Chronicles 16. This piece of information is valuable because it sets the psalm in at least one of its interpretive context in biblical history, God's enthronement as king in the worship of his holy people. All right, so that's one of the contexts. God's enthronement as king in the worship of his holy people. Inasmuch as the Lord's symbolic enthronement between the cherubim in the Holy of Holies was one of the more important Old Testament institutions preparatory for his divine presence in the human race by the reason of his of the incarnation. There you go. The deeper meaning of this psalm is likewise to be sought in its relationship to God's word that became flesh and dwelt or tabernacled among us. John 1 verse 14. All right, so um, as it shows, our Lord's enthronement um, seated between the cherubim and the Holy of Holies, that is preparatory for, of course, our Lord's presence amongst us in the incarnation when he became flesh and tabernacled among us. All right, there's your Christmas theme. This psalm then, and all other Old Testament references to God as king, are prophecies fulfilled in the kingship of Jesus the Lord, who declared to the local representative of the Roman Empire, you say rightly that I am a king. John 18, verse 37. Thus our psalm commands, announce among the nations that the Lord is king. Truly, this is the sum and essence of everything the church was given to proclaim, not only to the Roman Empire, but to all the nations of the earth at all times. Quote, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus both Lord and Christ. Acts 2.36. The word Christ here, of course, is a translation of the Hebrew expression anointed one, which referred to Israel's anointed king. In the context of Peter's sermon, Acts 2, Jesus is made Lord and King by his resurrection from the dead. All right, so that's his uh, crowning event, right? Mm-hmm. Crown of thorns, yes. It is the mystery of his resurrection, then, that Jesus the Lord fulfills the prophetic, is in the mystery of his resurrection, then, that Jesus the Lord fulfills the prophetic dimension of that symbolic enthronement of God in Israel's ancient Holy of Holies. The psalm, which was sung to celebrate that figurative enthronement, finds its intended completion in Jesus' victory over death. This is the truth that the invitation of its first line, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth. It is this, or it is a new song exactly as this term is used of the anthem sung to the victorious lamb in Revelation 5.9. It is a new song because henceforth humanity is dealing with a wholly new reality. It is all the earth that is summoned to sing this new song for the resurrection of Christ establishes his kingship not only over human hearts, but also over the nations. It is precisely the nations that are called to sing the new song. Indeed, the universal kingship of the risen Christ is the root and warrant of the entire mission of the church to the nations. Quote, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Matthew 28, 18 and 19. The first component, all authority, justifies the second, make disciples of all nations. These two sentences are related as premise and inference. Because he has received all authority in heaven and on earth, 
We therefore go to make disciples of all nations. The proclamation elicits the universal evangelical mandate. Therefore, the resurrection of Christ is the foundation of the church's missionary imperative. The first sermon of the church, that of St. Peter, at 9 o'clock on Pentecost morning, was a sermon entirely about the Lord's resurrection. It may, be, or it, may, it may thus be summarized, announce among the nations that the Lord is King. Of course, the resurrection of Jesus our Lord provides the theological context for understanding all of Holy Scripture, Luke 24. Moreover, this Christological fulfillment is the basis of the Church's proclamation to all the nations. The Lamb's victory is what authorizes him to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals, Revelation 5.5, 5, thus leading to the acclamation of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such are, are, as are in the sea and all that is in them, again, Revelation 5.13. What is true of all inspired scriptures seems especially applicable to, to the psalm and its call to the nations to enter the church in praise of the risen Christ. Confession and beauty are before him. Holiness and splendor stand in his sanctuary. Bring to the Lord, you families of the nations. Bring to the Lord glory and honor. Bring to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring sacrifices and process into his courts. Worship the Lord in his holy court. All right, so we have uh, both Christmas, the incarnation, the Lord dwelling amongst his people, um, and also um, Easter, the resurrection, with Actually, it's on the basis of his resurrection from the dead um, that we can sing. I, I also appreciate the note about Jesus as Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Um, we often forget this. We think that Jesus is just one king among many kings, uh, which fundamentally the Christian sees um, Jesus as Lord of all and over all. And we can actually call Jesus then uh, to bring his lordship to bear upon um, those whom he has set over us um, in positions of authority. Because ultimately, whether they know it or not, they serve under his, God's authority. Um, you can see uh, that interaction play out quite vividly, I think, with uh, the various anecdotes from, from Daniel, whether it be um, uh, the fiery furnace or the lion's den, you know, those two examples that you learn in Sunday school, for example. Great examples of uh, God's people confessing that uh, God is Lord over even Nebuchadnezzar. Okay, and then our verse for the week from Titus chapter 3. When the loving, excuse me, when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Titus 3 verses 4 through 5. And our catechism this week is the explanation to the second article, that is, I believe in Jesus Christ as only Son our Lord. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death, and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. All right, the epistle reading for this St. John's Day is from 1 John chapter 1 and 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write to you, 
that your joy may be full. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. All right, you can see, especially in First John, uh, John's epistle, uh, Catholic epistle written to the church at large, so it's a pastoral letter to be circulated amongst the churches. The, um, the emphases that you also see in his gospel, told, they're told in narrative form here, told in more of a kind of a doctrinal uh, confessional kind of way. All right, so it begins at the beginning, just like John chapter 1. <clears throat> and you notice that, just as John's going to say at the end of his gospel, he tells us his purpose for writing. This purpose for writing is to bear witness or to testify, to be a martyr. That's what it means to be a martyr, is to, to witness to. Notice that um, he acknowledges the apostles have a particular advantage and that they are eyewitnesses. They've seen, they've handled, right? They've touched Jesus, the word of life. Um, but now their task is to bear witness to us that we too would come to believe, you know, and as in the words of Jesus, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So this is being declared to you so that you too would have fellowship, koinonia, that you would be joined into that one holy communion on Christ's mystical body, right? And thereby have fellowship with, with, the, with Jesus and with the Father, whoever has the Son has the Father, and that in him then we would have his joy. And the joy comes, then he goes on to say, by the forgiveness of sins. That is to be taken from the darkness to the light and to have the blood of Christ cover you. That'd be the atoning propitiation cover, right? Um, to say that you don't need sins, of course, is to make God a liar, uh, and to make, make Jesus' sacrifice out to be nothing. But of course, um, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness because he is our righteousness. He is the righteous one, right? And though, too, um, as far as that evangelical mandate, which we talked about in the psalm, it's here, too, in First John, is that um, this forgiveness of sins is not for you only, but it is for um, all who would believe, right? whom alone the Lord knows, um, and so our mandate then as Christians is, is to freely forgive sins of others. To procl- That's how we proclaim the gospel, by the way. Um, yes, yes, Jesus Christ um, was crucified and rose again on the third day for the forgiveness of sins. Therefore, in Jesus' name, I forgive you. That's actually applying the gospel, not just declaring the words, but actually giving it. Um, and that's what needs to probably, <laughs> not probably, that's what needs to happen uh, more often than not in our lives not just in our in our home life, in our congregational life, in our school life, but um, in our work life, in our community life. Um, there's not enough forgiveness, there, but there is plenty of forgiveness in Christ. All right, so um, that's how it goes about. And of course, we hear, use that little section in Divine Service setting one and two um, as part of our confession of sins, right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, that part. All right, and then... Uh, this is one of John's purpose statements um, in his gospel. John 20 has a purpose statement. So does John 21. And so this is the gospel appointed for this day. 
Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who had leaned on his breast at the supper, and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. When then the saying went out among the brethren that his disciple would not die, yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies of these things and who wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. See, there's that word testifying, right? Bearing witness to. Um, I had My sermon for Christmas Day was based on that, uh, which, uh, by the way, the video stream did not work, uh, but the audio did. So uh, you can listen to that sermon. It's available on the podcast platforms and on our website, of course. All right. So again, um, we also hear a little bit about uh, the legend re- regarding John, you know, that he uh, will not die, um, at least not die a martyr's death like Peter. Right, so we have that here, and this is where it comes from. And um, was there anything else there? No, I don't think so. All right. So um, let's share meditation now on St. John. Do a little bit out of order here, if you don't mind. Today, December 27th. Today, the Holy Church celebrates the festival of St. John, Apostle and Evangelist. St. John was brother of James, uh, whose festival falls on July 25th, and the son of Zebedee and Salome. Like his brother and father, he was a fisherman by trade. John was among the first whom Christ called to be an apostle. In his gospel, he often refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved, indicating a particularly close friendship between himself and his master. This is evident at the final supper, where John reclined on his Lord's breast and relayed to him questions from the others. John is also the only one of the twelve not to abandon Jesus during the time of his passion. Together with the mother of God, he stood vigil at the foot of the cross. It was there that Christ gave his mother into John's keeping and gave John to her as her own son. According to the church's tradition, Mary lived with St. John until the day of her death. After Pentecost, he lived for a time in Jerusalem and finally settled in Ephesus. It was there that John reportedly wrote his three letters, Revelation and the Gospel, that bears his name. His sign as an evangelist is that of the eagle. For his gospel soars high above the other three in its witness to the eternal word, who was before time began, and who was made flesh for us, full of grace and truth, and whose hour of exaltation upon the cross draws all people to himself. Especially beloved from his gospel are the conversation with Nicodemus, which contains the gospel in a nutshell, John 3.16, the bread of life discourse, John 6, the sayings of Jesus about being the good shepherd, John 10, the raising of Lazarus, John 11, and the great farewell discourse, John 14 through 16, with its comforting promises. Those are all unique elements to John's gospel. According to early church tradition, John was the only one of the twelve who did not die a martyr's death. Hence, he is the only apostle observed with white upon the altar instead of the usual red. Red recalls the blood of the witnesses of Christ. He suffered a time of exile upon the island of Patmos, during which the great revelation was granted to him. As a very old man, John was carried to church where he never tired of encouraging the disciples. Little children love one another. It was the belief of some that John would not die before the Lord Jesus appeared in glory. Yet, the revelation to John makes perfectly clear that Jesus never made such a promise to his beloved apostle. John's death brought to an end the apostolic era, 
but his spirit-inspired writings continue to be a bright, shining, a bright light shining in the church. Right. Uh, one note I think with uh, that's helpful with John is some of the earliest Christian writings um, were written by either John's own um, disciple or one of John's disciples' disciples. I'm trying to think. Clement of uh, of Rome, I think, is an example, was it, or of Alexandria. Clement, um, the early Clement. You have also. Ah, I'm losing the other name. One of these first century guys. All right, uh, second century as well. So uh, some of the earliest Christian writings that we have were written by those who were um, direct acquaintances of John himself. So that's that's uh, interesting to note as well. Of course, his influence would extend. Um, a little bit further forward than the other disciples who died a martyr's death, right? Um, and John, I think, is pretty clearly um, one of the youngest um, at the time of Christ's ministry as well. All right. I think some have estimated, I mean, I would suggest that he lived through the destruction of Jerusalem, which was in AD 70, um, and probably didn't die until probably 90 or so, AD 90. So imagine that he was, you know, maybe at the age of 75 or 80 at that point. That would be my guess. Something like that. All right. So that's why his life ex- and his influence extends so far. All right, let's sing our hymn for the week, Lo, How a Rose Air Blooming. And I have stanza one and two assigned, but I think let's sing stanza three and four today. day lit by the light of Christ. Beautiful. Uh, let's also, I'm going to add another prayer here. There we go. That's the prayer for Christmas midnight. All right, we'll pray that today. First, in memory of St. John, merciful Lord, cast the bright beams of your light upon your church, that we, being instructed by the doctrine of your blessed apostle and evangelist John, may come to the light of everlasting life. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, One God, now and forever. Amen. O God, you make us glad with the yearly remembrance of the birth of your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that as we joyfully receive him as our Redeemer, 
we may with sure confidence behold him when he comes to be our judge. Through the same Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord God, Heavenly Father, in the second article of the Creed, you teach us that your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, is the greatest gift of your love for us. He is truly God, begotten of you from eternity, and he is truly man, born of the Virgin Mary. He has become our Lord and Savior by redeeming us from all sins, death, and from the power of the devil, with his holy precious blood, and with his innocent suffering and death. We no longer belong to the devil. Sin and death have no power over us. Jesus did all this that we might be his own, and that we might live under him in his kingdom, in the protection and safety of his everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness for all eternity. For all that Jesus has done for us, we give you thanks and praise. Forgive us for trusting in any work of our of our own for salvation. Forgive us for doubting your love and the precious gift of forgiveness we have in Jesus. Grant us through the grace of your only begotten Son to believe with absolute confidence that our sins are forgiven and that we stand righteous before you for Jesus' sake, because he has risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray this day for marriage and family, that husbands and wives, parents and children, live in ordered harmony according to the word of God. For all parents who must rear their children alone, for our communities and neighborhoods, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray for the households of our church, especially this week with Paul, James and Deborah, Robert, Shannon, Maureen, Clarence and Linda. Pray for our catechumens. Pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Ralph, Allison, Joe, Dennis, Len, Christopher, Sophie, and Brad, Ron, Carol, Doug, Donna, Joan, Sandy, Owen, and Wendell, Merlin, Jolene, District President Willie. Pray for our homebound. We pray for the missions and mercy work of the church. And we pray for all those grieving. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That's our congregation at prayer for today, Wednesday, December 27th, 2023. It's good to have you with us here for the St. John's Day. I suppose also our namesake as a congregation, right? St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center. Town of Sherman, I should say. Um, County of Sheboygan of the unaltered Augsburg Confession. In any case... Um, yeah, it's good to have you, and I hope um, that was a blessing to you. You can join us this evening at 6.30 p.m. Uh, for Divine Service. We're actually going to recognize tomorrow's feast day, the Feast of the Holy Innocents, um, which is uh, it's a sad day, but also a day um, where we can celebrate uh, that the Lord has given us victory even over death. All right, so God be with you all. Keep you safe. I hope to see you this, uh, this evening. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church, Sherman Center, in Random Lake, Wisconsin. 
If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.